You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, let's let's set this up because in the saga of Mitchell Miller, um, you know, we get more information out this week um, after our last recording um, that contradicted um, what Mitchell Miller and his agent have been saying. Um, So Scott, if you want to take us through um, the new information and just updates and whether or not we think there needs to be discipline after the new information, which just makes things look even worse. Yeah. So we'd mentioned on the last podcast that, uh, Mitchell Miller's agent, Eustace King, went on the Cam and Strick podcast and shared their side of the story. And, you know, I think I made sure to point out at the time, like, this is still, like, that's one side. That's his agent. He has a vested interest in, you know, putting kind of a positive spin on things. Um, And I mentioned, like, you know, the one person we hadn't heard from on the record yet was, Isaiah Maya Crothers, the the victim. Um, now we have. He released a statement through the Hockey Diversity Alliance um, and basically like called bullshit on a lot of what Eustace King had said on that podcast. And so, like, no, like they they weren't really making progress. They they're not friends. Um, you know, did he detailed obviously the abuse that he endured um, growing up with Mitchell Miller and said, you know, yeah, Mitchell Miller reached out to him and, and apologized via Instagram message or Snapchat or whatever. And, you know, like said he wanted to said he was working to make it better or whatever said it wasn't about hockey and uh isaiah said okay like where's where's the proof of what you've done and he said like the conversation kind of ended then and you know mitchell miller didn't didn't provide any um so that was you know and, and isaiah my crothers goes on to say that like he doesn't doesn't want to talk about it anymore like he doesn't want this to keep going um and it you know it was pretty like devastating statement to read to see and i think it makes a lot of people look even worse it's certainly you know certainly eustace king who it seems took mitchell miller at his word and probably didn't doesn't seem like he really worked to confirm much of what mitchell miller told him about how you know his relationship with isaiah is now um, and then Eustace King turned around and spun that tale to to teams that are thinking about signing 
Miller, including the Bruins. And yeah. what other and choice do you have? Like and, as as his agent, like obviously he should have done, but like if he he has no ground to stand on if if he doesn't have like this assumption that Mitchell Miller actually is trying. So it's like he's probably willingly not seeking the information as his agent because I don't know how you can know what if he knew all the stuff that Isaiah put out in the statement. Um, how could you represent this kid in the first place, basically? Yeah, it's, I don't know. And like, I've wondered, you know, since this came out, like, would he drop Mitchell Miller as a client? That hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other people who already looked bad and I think now look even worse is, is the Bruins, who it's very clear they just took Eustace King and Mitchell Miller at their words, didn't bother to seek out the other side. And, you know, basically helped contribute to Isaiah Maya Crothers, like having to suffer through this all over again. And, you know, had they reached out at any point, they, they would have heard a completely different tale than what Mitchell Miller and Eustace King told them. And the fact that they didn't is just, you know, it's, it's an awful, awful look for them. Um, Yeah. And I guess to spin it forward, like, I don't, we'll see what happens. The last we heard was from Cam Neal on Monday. And he said, you know, he's looking into it. He has more work to do this week. He needs to see, you know, how and why this happened that they didn't talk to Isaiah or his family. Um, And as of, you know, late Thursday night when we're recording, we don't know anymore. We haven't heard anything. Uh, No one else from the front office has spoken. So, we haven't heard from or seen Don Sweeney since the Cam Neely press conference. Um, so we don't really know what's going on with him. To, before we get to the discipline part of it, I just wanted to read a few parts of the statement that are like the most disturbing parts. Um, so be, I'm just going to cut right to the bottom first, um, which is all the Bruins really needed to reach out and ask, um, but they didn't. So Isaiah said, the quoting Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart what he did to me. So I just wanted to tell everyone when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take this anymore. And now that now he's getting even more hate on like messages from social media, people calling him N word again. And he's just kind of going through it over and over again because of this whole situation that the Bruins have to take ownership for the fact they put this kid through this again. Um, And he detailed a little bit more about what, Mitchell Miller said to him back in the time where when they were kids and and Isaiah was getting bullied by him um we had known the part about um you know calling him a brownie and the n-word um but he said the kid said my black mom and dad didn't love me and that's why I had white parents that's heartbreaking like who says that who says that to someone that is just horrible um and and how can you as the Bruins see that and I mean, a lot of this was known. There's a few extra details here that help fill us in on how, just how stupid this decision was by the Bruins. But like, I don't know how you could in any sort of good conscience 
take on this situation for no reason. And now you're stuck in the contract because they still haven't been able to get rid of his contract. We don't know what's going to happen with that. So it's just so heartbreaking that this kid had to go through it again. And I feel like they, if the Bruins had just asked, they could have found out all that information. He like, he wasn't going to not respond to them. So I, I don't know. I just don't know how the Bruins missed the mark this far. I, I gotta be honest, guys. I, I, people keep asking and, and, and Bridget, you just kind of brought it up. If only the, if the Bruins just talked to the family, they would have known this stuff. Well, I believe the Bruins did know the majority of this, but they didn't go to the family because they knew what they were going to say. They knew they were going to say no. And, and quite frankly, the Bruins didn't want to have that. They, they didn't care to hear that because of course they knew that the, the family wasn't going to condone or um, give them their blessing on this. They knew okay, that. But then if you're the Bruins ask to see the text messages that he said he sent, like ask to see the messages that he says, Oh, you know, they were, they were getting along. Like you could go through those messages and realize that no, in fact, it's not like that's, that wasn't the case. He, the conversation ended before they had any reconciliation. Like if, if I'm the Bruins and I want to find it out, I'm like, okay, well, give me your phone. Let me look but at what your conversation is. But, but that's why they deserve the criticism and the heat that they're getting because they didn't care to do it. Cause they didn't, they just didn't care. That's, that's my point. That's why they, yeah. should, that's why, that's why they deserve all this backlash because they didn't care to know because they knew if they knew that they weren't going to find anything that helped their cause and sign this kid. Now, another quote that was in that, and, 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 and that's why it's like that. That's why this, this whole thing is just like asinine. Uh, and, and they deserve everything that they're getting right now. One, one takeaway I had, another takeaway I had in addition to the things you mentioned, Bridget, and by the way, everybody who's, who's saying everybody deserves a second chance, blah, blah, blah. Look, I'm all about second chances, but from where I grew up, and my opinion is that second chances aren't deserved, they're earned. So I I believe that sec I believe in second chances, but you have to earn it. You, you you don't deserve shit. And that leads me to this point, which is one of the other things that he said in one of the things that Isaiah claims that Mitchell Miller told him online recently, like last month, was he said to him, he was trying to reach out to Isaiah and eventually Isaiah reached back to him because he was kind of bombarding him. And Mitchell Miller, the first thing he said was something along the lines of, Oh, you're, you only, you only have your parents speaking up for you. Why don't you speak on behalf of yourself or something like that? And then Isaiah said, I, I can't speak for myself. And then he, Mitchell says, all right, well, um, anyway, I'm sorry, but this isn't about hockey. So it's like even a month ago, he's he, he's he's criticizing the kids saying, oh, you're too coward to have your parents speak up for you essentially is what you're too much of a, of a baby to have your parents um, to speak on your behalf. You have to have your parents speak for you. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, but this isn't about hockey. So this just goes to tell me it, it goes to show me this is why I don't feel bad for all the hate that Mitchell Miller is getting because he's not remorseful. And this is why he doesn't deserve a second chance because no, he hasn't earned it. He hasn't earned it. He's he's an idiot for thinking that he could do nothing and have this go over well. Like, if he actually thought he was going to be an NHL player at any point, doesn't he know that he 
had to take the hard road, that it was going to be twice as hard for him to make the NHL as it would be any other person with his skill set that doesn't have the horrible background that he has. Like you can't take the easy road and you can't just go, Oh, I'm doing stuff in the community and then not have any proof. And it, and it, not even just that, like you better be doing it consistently. It better be documented. You better ha- have like, you know, new standing with Isaiah, which he clearly didn't. I don't know why from his point of view, from the agent's point of view or from the Bruins point of view, they thought, they had anything to stand on where this conversation would work and people wanted to give him a second chance because without any of that stuff, nobody's obviously going to want to give him a second chance. Um, and he, he doesn't deserve it, really. He would have needed to prove that he deserved it, and he has no proof whatsoever. Every single time his agent or him say uh, they have proof, it's just not there. It's a lie. So, yeah, he's he's just as, as stupid for ruining this chance and – making such a bad publicity stunt with this opportunity that he's already had thrown out that now who wants to take a shot with like at him, like no college hockey team, no NHL team wants to do it anytime soon after knowing all the huge shit show and that happened in Boston. And the fact that there is no proof, like they already, they learned more about him about how he wasn't remorseful. So he could have had chances if he did it the right way. He maybe could come back for it, despite how shitty it was in the first place and whether or not he ever should get a second chance. He would have given himself a much better, you know, opportunity if he had just done this the right way. And so I don't know who's advising him, but it's just been gone about the complete wrong way from yeah. his side, the Bruins side, the agent side, every single side. Yeah, it seems like it seems like his approach is like how high schoolers approach uh like bulking up their resume for college applications where, you know, like oh, look at all this community service and volunteer work I'm going to put on my application and it's like yeah, you volunteer for like an hour and a half at the church bake sale or something, you know. You, you spend 45 minutes picking up some trash in a park like Court, you court didn't, ordered. Like, you, you court you ordered community really, service. <laughs> you weren't really doing community service. Like you did just enough that you can put it on with like, oh, you know, totally lying, and then it looks kind of good there. But like you didn't care about it. You weren't actually, you know, interested in like helping your community. Like that's yeah. that's what it seems like Mitchell Miller did. It's like he, okay, yeah, he went to some meetings. He did what the court said. Even after yeah, that, okay, he maybe stopped by a few was, schools. His only apology was court ordered. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I apologize. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> Just like court ordered community service doesn't count. Court ordered apologies do not count. Um, right. So yeah, let's let's if if you want to, Brian, I don't know what you were gonna say, but get to the to like how in the world can the Bruins not have someone which no one has lost their job or at least got suspended, had some sort of disciplinary action over this entire mess? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that to Scott, and then I'll give my answer to that after him. But what, the only thing I was going to say was um, Ryan Whitney and uh, Paul Bissonette were actually saying on Spit and Chicklets that apparently when um, Mitchell Miller was doing his pre-draft interviews with, with, with those teams that would speak with them, because some didn't even want to speak with them, I guess he like 
had a disclaimer like I'm not, I don't want to talk about this incident because it, because it's in the past. I'm moving like the, the and and that and that uh, NHL teams I spoke with them pretty much said had the same sentiment that like the court did the court magistrate did when they said that there was like no he just didn't seem remorseful and I just feel like this kid Mitchell Miller is such a moron such an idiot that he has I think in his mind I think in his mind what happened back in the day he like views viewed as like boys being boys and he's like and he's resentful at Isaiah and his parents and and, and everybody for even like just continuing the story and like that I don't think he's remorseful because I, I I think he thinks he's being misrepresented in, in, uh, in some crazy yeah, world. But those are just pe- the people who always think they're the victim and shitheads are always going to be shitheads. How, and he has- how, else, how else can you explain somebody? Uh, sociopath or something. Oh, no, 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 for sure. No, for sure. Like he, like the kid, the kids, that's yeah. hundred percent. Like he's an idiot. Like, Cause I know people, oh, I know people God. like this. Nothing was ever their fault. They're never to blame. Um, you know, that's, that's they, they, he, he definitely, he definitely is. That, that's probably the, honestly the best way to describe it. He's like his sociopath, right? That's like, he's turning himself into, in his mind, he's probably turning himself into the victim. Like, oh, I, I, I was just a kid. We were just being boys, like whatever. Like, so it's just a whole, as far as the Bruins go, Scott, I'll throw that to you. Um, I don't really have much of a prediction on that. I'm, they're probably just taking their sweet ass time and, Maybe trying to see if it blows over. I really don't know. That's not going to blow over. Not if, not if you and yeah. Scott can help it in the media scrums. No, I mean we we talked about this on you know after Neely's press conference on Monday, but without directly naming Don Sweeney as the one at fault, Neely was clearly putting it on Sweeney the way he, that he, it, he you know he said it was a hockey ops decision. He said he doesn't know why they didn't talk to the victim's family it was you know concerning that they didn't all this and and it's like well if neely's not taking full responsibility for that saying like you know saying i was in charge of this this is my shortcoming that you know i own this which he didn't say he said i have to figure out why we did i have to look into it i have work to do that tells me he's putting on Sweeney. That tells me that, at least in his mind, he looked at it as, you know, Don Sweeney is the he's the general manager. He's the one in charge of um, making this decision, doing this background check, all this, and that might that might actually be like how it played out. Cam Neely might have said, "Okay, Don, you're in charge. Like, let me know if you need anything." And just kind of walked away. But I would say if that's the case, then to me, Neely is still just as at fault as Sweeney. Because you don't you don't just pass off something this big. Like Neely has been involved in other decisions. He's like I saw I saw some people try to say this week that like well of course like you know of course like Neely wasn't involved. Like he's kind of just like a figurehead. And it's like that hasn't been true in a decade. Like there, there may have been a time where that was kind of what Neely's role in the organization was. It, it hasn't been for a long time. Like he is very involved in day to day hockey operation decision, like that type of stuff. So he should have been, he was at the meeting with Mitchell Miller, by the way, like when Mitchell Miller and Eustace King came to Boston to sit down for like 
five hours, Cam Neely was there. Like he met him. So if, if it was important enough for him to meet with Mitchell Miller and Eustace King, then it should have been just as important for him to hear from the other side. And that's where like everyone comes up short that no one thought it was important enough to hear from that side. So yeah, you can say, Hey, Don Sweeney was, you know, leading all of the, like he was the one in charge of whether to sign him, do the background or whatever. Okay. That's fine. But why wasn't Cam Neely more hands-on in that case? Like that, that doesn't make any sense to me. And unless they like, unless he somehow thought that this, wasn't that big of a decision or like wasn't that important but if you're if you're meeting for five hours with uh someone you're signing to an entry-level contract like that should probably be a sign that this is pretty important so maybe you should be taking it seriously and be involved well and how how alarming is it that kim neely said after meeting with him he said he thought he was remorseful like what does that say about kim neely's judge a character or, or being able to assess when somebody is bullshitting you or, or, or like, cause, because everybody else that's talked about this kid, people from, you know, court people that have met with him. Um, like I mentioned earlier in pre-draft interviews, they all sensed his lack of remorse, but yet Kim Neely felt he was remorseful. It's such bullshit. It's, 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 it's they didn't, they didn't expect people to care which goes to show how tone deaf they are and how, how little they think of Bruins fans as, as, as actual human beings. It's like, dude, like people don't want to win at all costs. And by the way, not that this kid's helping you win at all costs. He's a fucking 111th overall pick. So, but regardless, um, yeah, to me, this isn't the first time that Neely has thrown Don under the bus. I, I think he did the same thing with the, with the, the Cassidy firing. I mean, I think he make like, he makes Don this, the now Don's not innocent in the Cassie thing. And maybe he wanted them gone too. And he's certainly not innocent in this, but Cam is making it seem like he had nothing to do with it. When he, like you said, Scott, he met with them and he wrongfully said the kid was remorseful. Um, but the best case that Cam Neely can make for himself is to claim negligence. But guess what? People get fired over negligence. So even that's not like, you know, scot free. So I, I mean, it, the two of them combined, the whole organization, words can't describe just how idiotic and baffling um, that they are. That they put themselves in this situation. What we talked about. So, um, you know, is it grounds for firing? I mean, look, like on a business level, they have this decision really put a stain on the perception and um character of of the organization and if you're the jacobs that's a pretty big deal like these guys are supposed to not just put a winning product on the ice but they're supposed to protect the image of the company and and the organization they have failed at that in this situation and then you know like do certain partners and whatnot do they pull out of deals when they expire what like so you just there are there if i'm the jacobs like yeah you, you fucked over the business in a sense like you might not see it tangibly right now because people are still filling the seats and you have ongoing partnerships with people. We see the million digital ads on TV. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I think that, um, I think if this is a real, if this was corporate America and not professional sports, like heads would be rolling a lot. They would be gone. 
and, <laughs> but and, because of his sports, it's it's what it is. Yeah, and well, and another thing that could happen is like I, I also think there's people below the GM president level that screwed up here that um kind of fell for the bait or maybe misrepresented things to Sweeney and or Neely. And it's like, you know, whether that's like at the scout level or whatever, where it's like, what if the Bruins fire one or two of those people? But like, you can't do that. And then Sweeney and Neely stay there. Like, no matter who screwed up at what level, like ultimately it comes back to them. Like it's, they're in charge. It's their responsibility. So if someone, if someone below them didn't do their job well or fell, you know, whatever, took one side's word and um, pushed some sort of false narrative, it's like, okay, yeah, like that's not, that's not good for them. And maybe there's a reason to fire them. But ultimately, you're still the ones in charge. It's it's still your responsibility. And if someone below you, you know, fails, like you have to recognize that and be like, hey, you know, we need to do more work here. Like maybe don't just take people at their words without getting the other side. Yeah, no, it, it's you're right about that. If they fire like the guys lower, they're just it like. It's honestly stupid because you should have followed through and figured it out on your own either way. So, yeah, sure, that could happen. It hasn't happened yet. They've had plenty of time to announce any sort of discipline. Um, and, you know, maybe this final step, which did this come out this morning, um, Thursday morning, the statement from Isaiah? Uh, that was Wednesday. Wednesday morning. So they still had yeah. time. Um to do something after it's been a whole day and maybe by the time, you know, people are listening to this, maybe it's been two days. Um, but my thing is like, is there even any like slap on the wrist you could give Sweeney or anything? Like you can't suspend a GM that's like still working with agents and trying to get deals done. I'm talking about like with Pasternak, can you find a GM Can Like what could they even do short of firing him? that would be like a slap on the wrist kind of like shame. Um, and even so it feels a little late for that. So like, I just don't know if anything's going to happen. That's like, that's the most ironic thing too. Right. Bridget is like, when I, when, when Nini, yeah, Nini, <laughs> Nini. when Neely, Neely and Sweeney mixed together, yeah, that, that might as well be they're, they're pretty much one person walking together the whole time. Sweely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when Neely, I actually like that. I'm going to start using me <laughs> because they are, they're one walking doofus. One, they share <laughs> brain, four legs, four arms, one brain. Um, when Neely went to face the music, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I had this, like, like this, like little rage go over me when I, when I, when like people were asking him, like, you know, is there going to be any internal discipline, blah, blah, blah. And he was making comments about like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go, go, go see what happened. I'm going to have to, it basically, it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go investigate and be a little Sherlock Holmes. And I'm going to, if I find somebody screwed up, I'm going to fire. It's like, well, the irony of like, oh, you're going to fight. You should be the one like fearing for repercussions here. And I just feel like 
I would be so surprised if anything happened to Neely or Sweeney because it's just classic. Like, it's the boys' club. Like, do you think the Jacobs would ever fire Cam Neely? Uh, unless he did something that was like, I mean, but this is kind of, this is kind of in that category. But like, unless unless he just did something that was like so unforgivable, where like the, they had to do it, I, I I think the last thing that the Jacobs want to do is fire the prodigal son. Like the he's been the face of the Bruins, one of the faces of the Bruins for the last thirty five years. Um, so I'd be I'd be blown away if they did it to, to Neely. Sweeney, yeah, I think they would. They, I mean, the day is going to come. One, way, I mean, GMs have a, have a shelf life, so that's going to happen one way or the other. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think they have the balls to get rid of any 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 of them um, because Neely would have to be the one to get rid of Sweeney. And there, you know, he might have to fire him and then go we'll, we'll play golf in Belmont probably. Oh yeah, that. just be like the owner told me to, or you yeah. know, like Jacobs, yeah. they told me to. Um, oh. The only other thing I can think of is legal reasons. Like, I mean, they clearly have, like, a four cause. Like, they could be like, yes, this is why. Did you not see this whole thing? That's my only other thought is, like, there's some sort of, like, internal process that they're trying to go through investigation to make sure they have, like, their shit together before they fire someone and don't, like, face, like, legal ramifications. Just a thought. Um, yeah. Don't know. I mean, what, what, here, one other thing too, guys, is like, I want your, your opinions on this, but like, put your, put yourself, put yourselves in, in the shoes of David Pashnak. Like, does this make you want to sign the dotted line anytime soon? Like when, the, when your management just embarrass your teammates and your organization, and like, this is the guy you're negotiating with. Like, I know it's, I know it's not directly connected. I get it. I'm just saying like, if it were me, if I were Pashnak, I, I I don't know. Like, would it prevent me from signing with the Bruins if I wanted to sign with the Bruins? No, it wouldn't affect my deal. But it can't make him. It can't make uh, his love for Sweeney grow or his confidence in him as a GM. I mean, again, when you when 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 you're when you're trying to sell a player a bill of goods about we're, David, we're gonna be competitive in a, in a year or two, even when Bergeron and Crazy leave. Trust me, we'll we'll figure it out. Don't we'll. We'll, 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 we'll get you there. Don't worry about it. Like you'll have a center. Like, how are you supposed to go and trust that guy when, when he's a major part of this decision that just happened? That's his, that's his character judgment. That's, it, it is in a way indirectly affected. Like this is, this is the guy's judgment. So how, how much can I trust his word that he's going to get, find me an adequate center in a couple of years when he's making deals like this? Like I would, I actually would think that to myself, our passion act. Now would it make a, difference i don't know it just depends yeah and like he's misrep clearly misrepresented the whole mitchell miller story coming up to the point like before he before mitchell miller was eventually cut um so he gave us not the true story about what kind of a guy he was um and so like do you question whether or not he's been telling us the truth about how well the past or not conversation have been going because the line from him the whole season was just conversations are every day and you know they're getting there but clearly they haven't got there yet and we're already in November I mean Scott does it make you wonder at all like what information he gives us and how credible the whole Pasenak talks are and what he tells mm -hmm. us about them no I don't I don't really think he 
lies about stuff like that. And Pasnak himself said that they were talking almost every day. Um, but like maybe misrepresenting how well they're going because he was making it sound like they were like, you know, hope we can announce a deal soon, kind of. And then that didn't happen. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he never said anything like we're close to the finish line or anything like that. So but I do I like on the Pasnak thing, like, I do wonder if it delays those talks or kind of puts them on the back burner from either side like does you know this Pasenak pull back because hey I get you know I just want to see like how the, all this other stuff plays out like I'm not you know not gonna rush into signing a, a mega deal like while all this is going on and from the Bruins perspective like now you kind of more immediate pressing concerns like as crazy as that sounds like you ideally signing Pasenak would has been your priority would be your priority would continue to be your priority but like now you have this whole thing that you have to try to put out which by the way you still have to figure out the contract part of it and what's going to happen there um you know you also have have to make a trade coming up at some point soon within the next couple weeks so yeah i mean whether it's don sweeney or whether there's like some sort of shadow suspension and someone else in charge there's there's a lot going on right now and i could easily see the pasanak extension kind of those talks maybe being tabled or just not being as much of a priority as as they were like you know i don't know i mean the irony is that if they got a deal done with pasanak it would probably cover up some of the like don sweeney sucks it's like oh well at least he signed pasanak you know what i mean like it would probably cover up some of the story yeah, it's I was like kinda... okay well here's this new story let's pay attention to this Pasternak sign I, I jokingly said to someone like earlier this week I was like they're gonna walk in on Monday and offer Pasternak like eight years 12 and a half million a year and like you know hey look at this good thing we did but yeah. reality it's like I don't I don't think that's happening I think everyone's kind of waiting for all the rest of this stuff to get figured out and you know yeah, it it very well could have disrupted those negotiations. I have a I have a really bad feeling that if the season ends and Pashnak is not signed to an extension and he goes to the open market this summer, I like I think he's gone. I think he's going elsewhere. I, I because because at that point, what are you going to learn about the Bruins' future that you wouldn't have already been sold on? And the Bruins can offer you the longest ten tenure. Like I. I so like if I'm if I'm Cam Neely and I'm ownership like if if talks aren't progressing and they're not getting closer to signing this kid by honestly like the turn of the calendar to 23 then I'm then I'm I I have no reason to believe that Don Sweeney is the guy that can get this deal done and I I might fire him for that alone because because we we're, we we've we've gotten lukewarm to the idea of eventually in the next year or two saying goodbye to Bergeron and Krejci and others. But like, I am not prepared to say goodbye to David Pashnak and especially for nothing. So like if they lose him, because the, the, the unfortunate part for the Bruins is it does take two to tango. Like as bad as they may want him, he has to equally sign the contract. So if Don can't get this done by like January, I don't feel confident in Don getting it done at all because it's just, I don't know. That's just how I feel. And I, I do think, 
that if you can't get this player signed in a timely manner, I do think that's grounds for firing because you're, it's your job as GM. Forget the saga. Like I don't feel comfortable with that if I'm uh, uh, above Sweeney in the in the hierarchy. No, but the, the only time if Sweeney's getting fired at all, anytime in the, within the next year, it's right now. Like there's, I mean, maybe I I shouldn't assume this, but there's nothing else he can do that's worse than this. Like this is as colossal of a screw up as you can get, and. You know, if they're not going to fire him now, then they're you're not going to fire him because he doesn't get an extension done with Pasanak or he doesn't make a good and have a good enough trade deadline or whatever. Like those those types of things are so secondary to something this big. Yeah, they won't. I'm just saying I would <laughs> because I, I, I would I would trust them. I wouldn't trust them to get it done. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. And and like you're probably right, Scott. It just feels like. It, it would just pile on to the, to this, you know, I can't believe nothing happened short term in terms of discipline. Um, because like I mentioned, kid was cut what, last weekend. When was it? I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like it's been Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. All right. So, you know, there's already plenty of time to discipline someone and they did not. So I am skeptical that they will do anything, but also, Everybody knows that something needs to happen. So that's where we are. And I know last time we were like, we're hopefully done talking about Mitchell Miller. We're not. Um, obviously, next episode, here we are talking about him. And we will talk about him when his contract gets figured out, like if they try to get out of it and if there's any discipline. So it's not going away for for the Bruins. And it's not going away as a topic for us to talk about. Uh, at some point, it's going to come back up. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's just later. I don't know. I mean, I, I will say, like, if they were to, if they were gonna fire fire Sweeney, I I don't think it would be this quick yet. Like, I I, I feel yeah. I feel like Sweeney, I feel like Neely and ownership, but specifically Neely, I think they have enough respect for Don Sweeney. He's been in the organization for like whatever fifteen years in different capacities. I think they have enough respect for him internally to, if they're gonna fire him, they're gonna give it a they're gonna give it a week's see everything that they need to find out or whatever, or at least say that public. I don't know. I, I, I don't think they would just fire him in 48 hours. I, I, but we'll have to see how it plays out. That said, I know Bridget's clawing to, to get this uh, cut up and, and edited before she goes to bed. So yeah, oh, wow, before I drive to close. Yale, I didn't realize um, how, how late it got. It's already one in the morning. Yeah, and I had to get up tomorrow and drive to New Haven and spend the weekend broadcasting Yale games in New Haven. And then Tuesday, Tuesday I have um, a men's uh, hockey East game on Nesson since there's no Bruins game. So uh, you can you can listen, guys. You can listen. UMass Lowell, BC um, on Nesson. So that's going to be exciting. And that's why I'm taking off Sunday from Bruins. I'm, like, just preparing just doing my I, notes, getting ready. Yeah. I will definitely be watching, and hopefully people, uh, you know, hopefully our listeners will be. Um, there's also a Bruins connection there. BC has three Bruins draft picks. So yeah. uh, Oscar Jelvik, Andre Gesso, and um, Trevor Kuntar. So, you know, worth worth reasons to watch. Number one, Bridget. Number two, mm-hmm. three Bruins prospects. Is the game at Songus, Bridget? Or- no, it is at... 
Connie Forum. Wow. Because if it was at Sagas, I was going to see, you'll probably see Scott front row going crazy with his Riverhawks jersey on. Now that hey, he can still go. No, he, he he's not allowed to go because he has to listen to me. He has to tune in. True. All right, guys. I think that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk soon.